0: Hi I'm Katie and welcome to Hey It Gets Better. This is the podcast where I chat to people about the ups and downs of their lives and how they got to where they are now. Life can be pretty tough sometimes there's no escaping that fact but at Hey It Gets Better we're all about talking about the journey. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and remember hey it gets better. I'm joined today by Fiona Thomas, who is the author of Out of Office and Depression in a Digital Age. She is also a writer. You've written for some amazing publications and you offer some fantastic courses as well to help people find their writing voice, which I think is brilliant. So welcome to the podcast, Fiona. Hi, thank you for having me. So excited
1: to chat. It's been in the works for a while.
0: Yeah, I think I always like to record as well way before cuz I definitely always leave my editing to the last minute which is same.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I like with my podcast I've started to basically just tell myself to record it and then edit it like straight away. Um and I find that works. I'm not saying you have to do it that way, but I've done it that way and it it seems to work. I need to do that.
0: So what I ask everyone when they come on this podcast is you know what was the biggest challenge to get to where you are now and uh, you've seemed to you've wrote a whole book about it um (laughs) so I feel like there's a lot to talk about so I just like if you could just introduce kind of your story to everyone I think that would be really helpful. Yeah I think my
1: like I've had a few challenges through throughout my career, but I think the biggest one was my mental breakdown, which happened in 2012. So nine years ago, basically it's kind of like it's like my before and after moment, I think. So everything before my mental breakdown is completely different to what happened after my mental breakdown. Um and I talk a lot about mental health on social media and everybody knows me as a writer and as a freelancer. But really, a lot of people don't know the before story, and that is that I used to work in hospitality. I worked as a coffee shop manager for a long, long time, from when I um, graduated university, basically, until I was twenty six. Um, and, and so, I think it's really important to tell people that because people think that I have just that I have this great writing career, and that I've always done this. But actually, I did a big pivot from working in a completely unrelated industry. And in that industry I thought I really thought I'd be in it forever because I just couldn't see a way out. So for me to go from that to writing, like I, I still have to pinch myself. Like I can't believe that I've gone from that job to not that there's anything wrong with that, but just a job that didn't satisfy me creatively to then having a creative job that I'm actually successful at is like a big, like a big transformation for me that I never really thought I would get to experience and yeah, the pivotal moment for me was a mental breakdown, which it's easy to look back and say like, oh, it led to these wonderful things. But obviously at the time it was horrendous. So I basically was diagnosed with depression and anxiety and had to quit my job. I was off off work for a year and then went back into hospitality as a waitress. So I went from like a really like really like well-respected management job with a good salary and um, good benefits and stuff like that to then just back to kind of the bottom of the ladder again and it was from there that I started to write and started to I started a blog and started to kind of just let creativity back into my life again and it took me yeah like about four four or five years to build back up to then being able to have a career in writing so without that mental breakdown I don't think I would have stopped to actually reevaluate what makes me happy and what I want to do for a job so I'm kind of weirdly thankful for it
0: (laughs) yeah it's one of those things where you know you could be working a job you don't like but you could continue to do that for like another 20 years sometimes you know it does have to get really tough before it gets better um a lot of the people I've spoken to on this podcast like when it was really bad that was when they were able to get the help they needed to get it to get to you know to get it better exactly yeah and I think you really show as well um from reading your book I, I get the sense that you know life is not a straight path because before I knew your story I thought oh she's definitely you know she went to you needed English I bet she just like graduated and found like a writing job but it's not like that at all you studied music you you, and I I was still even surprised when I found out you were based in Birmingham because I thought oh I thought she was from Scotland but (laughs) it just shows that you don't know what someone's story is until you ask because there's a lot of changes and things you don't plan on happening that happen
1: yeah you really you don't yeah and and I remember back in like 2016 when I first moved to Birmingham because um, my husband got a job down here um, and we had lived in Scotland until then so we moved down to Birmingham and I remember it just felt like a fresh start and podcasts were just starting to take off at that time so I was listening to like the few podcasts that existed back then and one of the early ones was Emma Gannon's career podcast Control Alt Delete and I remember listening to all these people telling their like story of their kind of squiggly career paths of how they've like fell into this career and they just kept at it and they became successful and I think that was the first time that I thought maybe like I could maybe I could actually take action and change change careers but it just it did feel so like not unattainable but it just did really feel like a pipe dream that was unlikely to come true so I'm keen to like tell people that that is my journey and so if you're sitting there thinking I can't do this Uh, I'll never be able to do a creative job I'll never be able to do a job I love you can do it and like you say I didn't I didn't study English at uni I didn't do an internship internship in London I've never worked at a magazine like it's all I basically just built a career off my own experience and it's not it's it's hard it takes patience I think is the the hardest thing is that you have to just put in the work and kind of wait but it is possible.
0: I think patience is really key I think so um, another conversation I've had on this podcast is all about how sometimes the only thing you need to do to become the best is just to be the last one standing and don't give up and that is why you know it's so important just to keep going at something if you enjoy it um and I think you get a real sense from your stories your book and your blogs that you you enjoy writing and I think that finding what you enjoy is really really important to making you know your career work for you
1: yeah that's what I that's what I say to people when they say like I want to go freelance or I want to start a business like but I don't know what to do and I always say don't don't go into a line of work that you think is going to make you loads of money because the, your interest in that subject will quickly wear off <laughs> because, <laughs> because it probably won't make you rich early on um, being self-employed is like you need to be in it for the long game and you need to kind of enjoy the work whether you get paid a lot of money or not hopefully you will in the long run but yeah I always say to people try and pick something that you basically that you would do for free anyway because you've got to love what you do to put in the hours and just kind of put up with those early days where you don't get much reward, you don't get much financial reward, you don't get much praise, you don't, you know, there's not people saying, well done for publishing that blog post, like nobody's reading the blog post in the early days. (laughs) So you've got to enjoy the process and enjoy doing the thing anyway whilst you, like you say, whilst you just wait and be the last man standing. And I, like, really, that's something that I preach a lot, especially when I teach people about pitching to, like, publications, is that you can't be put off by a rejection or you can't be put off by somebody not replying to your email. So many of my commissions with publications have come from me just emailing repeatedly like when they don't answer I'll just wait a week and just say (laughs) hi did you see my email like it's persistence and the in the nicest way you know I wouldn't email somebody like 10 20 times I'll do it maybe like three times and then say okay I'll move on to another publication and it's it's hard it's really hard when you don't see the results and you feel like you're failing but I promise like when you've worked hard for that long and you still feel like that. You probably only have to go a bit further like a little bit further and then you'll get something out of it.
0: Yeah I think that's going to resonate really well with a lot of my listeners because a lot of them are graduates of 2020 and to be fair like they've dealt with a a fair lot of rejection especially in the job market and learning to get rejected I think is such an important skill to have which you don't actually ever really get taught, but it's something that, you know, you get hit when you kind of hit with, when you kind of enter the adult adult world. And like, I'm glad in a way that I've been rejected quite a lot um, in jobs and things like that, because it's made me stronger. And from the sounds of things, it sounds like pitching and getting rejected and pitch when you pitch has only made you better at your job.
1: Yeah, that's the thing I teach with pitching is like every, just because you 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 know you write the pitch you come with an idea you write a pitch email, so what we're ta- if anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about is getting articles published in magazines and websites and generally you will send an idea which is just a pitch email and we call it pitch email and they'll say yes or no about commissioning you to actually write the full piece. So writing the pitch email in itself is a skill, and that's what I teach people is that even if you say you send 10 pitch emails and not one of them ends up in you actually being commissioned to write an article, you've still progressed because you've written 10 pitch emails and I can guarantee that your 10th pitch email that you write will be much better than the first one you wrote. So you're building up your skill as a pitch writer if that makes sense so eventually you know the odds will go in your favor when you start to get up into the 30s the 40s 50 pitch emails one of them will get accepted because every time you write one you are honing your craft and you're getting better at it so I do think the more times that you fail like there's even if you can't see it there and then you are learning something from it and you're Going to learn to get better at whatever the thing is that you're doing. So, I think yeah, rejection. If you can kind of reframe rejection or failure, or mistakes, just as proof that you're making progress. And the more that you make, you're that's still progress. Whether you're failing or whether you're succeeding, you're still moving forward. So you're not just sitting still.
0: Yes, and I think as well, it's nice to have immediate success that. in you know to make something and know you're going to get instant praise or gratification but it's actually really hard to do that and I, I think to this podcast I think about this podcast because it, it's really applicable to any skill like the first episode like we've come so far since that episode because I've learned how to properly edit really that's the main thing but um you just have to stick to stuff and I think in like a world where we get you know dopamine hits from likes on Instagram and reshares a post, and we have that, we can get that feeling, that buzz instantly. We need to learn to actually wait and work on stuff and hone skills over time because there is a reward and it will come to you.
1: Yeah, and actually, the
0: what what a lot of
1: freelancers and influencers and business owners are learning is that likes and followers doesn't actually translate into what you also know of as tangible success so it doesn't always translate into sales or to clients so although it feels good and it looks good there's plenty of successful freelancers out there that have got zero presence on social media (laughs) so it's not like an essential part of freelancing even though I really love being on Instagram and I feel it's like a, it's a good part of my brand. Um but it's not it's not essential and it's definitely something that I um get caught up in. Like I had a a call with um my friend Lorna so she specializes in email marketing and I was like we need to I was like I need your advice. Um I need to get back into the email game because I'm really rubbish at keeping up to date with my email list and she kind of challenged me on like why is that why like because you've got this list like you, you're you a writer email, <laughs> emailing should be like your thing and I was like if I'm honest it's just because I don't get the instant gratification like I'll send it and I'll make you know I could send my my email list has got about a thousand people on it and I'll maybe get one reply which is really nice to get a reply but you don't really get it the gratification of a like or a comment or a back and forth conversation in your dms um, and nobody else sees it for the instagram everybody sees your comments everyone sees your likes Uh, but with email it's like a private form of success i think and a private emotional connection and it takes your right take a long a longer time to like nurture it and for it to be of value so all that just to say I don't have it all figured out either. Like I am still learning to get over myself and stop
0: stop kind of moving towards all that the shiny stuff. I think that captures really as well, this fact that there's no right way to do something. It's all about what works for you and embracing that idea really helps. You kind of navigate the online world where there is so much advice on how to do different mm. things. even that can be overwhelming yeah and I write
1: about that in in the book about figuring out the kind of platform that is right for you because you can't unless you're a massive brand with like lots of people creating content for you and scheduling stuff you can't be on every platform all the time so I do think it's good to find the one that works for you and don't, don't be afraid to experiment like you know spend some time on Twitter then spend some time on Instagram and Pinterest on your blog email marketing Facebook groups like just try them all and see what works for you because on paper I would have said Instagram wouldn't be the place for me because I'm not really like I'm not a photographer I'm a writer so I'd want to write longer form content Uh, so on paper you'd think that I would be blog and email marketing but really it's it's it does sway more towards Instagram um so you don't really know until you try and then you see the results so don't be afraid to give it a go and then you know if you have to then just completely abandon one of your social media accounts I think that's fine that's just what we're talking about like accepting that yeah I tried that and it didn't work out so I'm just going to try something else
0: yeah for a very brief like month hey it gets better had Twitter which and then i just couldn't keep up i was like this is too much so i just deleted the account and no one's died it's not the end of the world and i think kind of one thing that's really helped especially is no when you take on lots of jobs and things is to know that nothing's going to no one's going to die nothing's going to end if you don't do this if you change your mind about something or something like that another topic i really want to talk to you about as well is identity and how your identity changes as you grow up as well I think especially right now when a lot of us are finding especially like recent graduates are finding themselves unemployed um and not not even like studying anymore like who are you what do you identify as yeah it's um it's hard that's definitely something that I
1: grappled with when I graduated uni because as you said I um, studied music at uni so I was like I'm so creative I'm a creative person um I'm a performer and I'm and I think I thought it was quite cool as well <laughs> um <laughs> and then when I graduated from uni I knew that I didn't want to have a job in music and that was fine but I very swiftly then panicked and wanted a career I was like I need a career straight away. So. I was already working in a coffee shop and they offered me a management position so I was like great like that's the box ticks now I'm like I've got a proper job I've got a job title like I'm not a complete failure um and I think I didn't realize at the time but I really I really struggled switching from that like creative identity into then like not corporate because it was working in a coffee shop but to that full-time employee like you have to be kind of responsible because you're in charge like I really struggled with that switch and my, like after a kind of a year or so of being a manager my way of coping with it was basically to try and sever all emotional connection with my staff so I didn't go on nights out um I just put on like quite a persona when I was at work um which just wasn't real and it wasn't me like I tried to be well I had to be strict I had to like you know make the rules and stuff like that yeah but my way of coping with it was yet to like kind of push like a big part of my personality like under you know sweep it under the rug and that, you know, you can't you can't live your life like that. That's part of what made me ill, was just pretending to be somebody that I wasn't. So I really struggled with that. And then when I was diagnosed with uh, depression sometime later, I struggled again because then I was um, unemployed for about a year. And I really struggled with not having a job associated with my name because for so long I had you know I'd shed that kind of identity as a creative person and then I became a career person I was like I'm a career woman I've got a good job I've you know I've got a management role this is my persona is I'm a successful career woman and then when that job got taken away I just felt like well what who am I without this job and that that's kind of where my social anxiety stemmed from because I was really scared of basically having a conversation with anyone because i felt like i literally had nothing to say when people said like who are you what do you do and i was like oh i don't work i just i just basically stay at home and try to cope with depression <laughs> and at that point i wasn't an advocate i didn't talk openly about mental health so That anxiety was so much that I was like, I'll just stay home and not talk to anyone because I don't have anything of value to say to anyone because I don't have a job. So the blog was the thing that really helped me come through that because then I managed to create a space online that was more of an expression of who I am. So it started with kind of fitness and and health and stuff like that and then it quickly changed into mental health blogs and talking about my journey with mental illness and then mental illness became my identity I suppose so I've had to kind of also try and not let that take over and remind myself that I am more than my mental illness but also I'm really kind of proud of the fact that I wear that badge you know confidently because I think it's helped a lot of people as well uh, see that you can be open about your mental health and and not be ashamed of
0: it yeah that's it's so important to be open about mental health because I always I always think that if you know I keep it into my in and don't tell anyone then I'm kind of helping that stigma grow because I don't think that you should ever be embarrassed or ashamed of mental health issues because the world is really, really hard and tough and it's part of being human, going through it all and it's just like this idea that you could go through so much and nothing affects you, it's not realistic and that's why it's so important just to have open conversations about mental health.
1: Yeah, and I totally understand why
0: people don't want to talk about their mental illness
1: because back then, when I was first diagnosed and I saw people talking about mental their mental illness online I was like oh that's so embarrassing like I would never do that like I don't yeah in my head I was like I just want to cure myself of this and then never ever speak of it again like I, I just hate it um so I totally understand why people don't want to be open I'm not saying that you have to start a blog or go and give like you know a TED talk on your mental illness. <laughs> But finding a way that you can express yourself, I think, is the most important part. Um, and it doesn't need to be public. It can be in a journal, in a diary, it can be through art, it can be through music. Just finding a way to express what you are going through, I think, is really important. It just so happened that for me, it was writing, and that I it just so happened that I published it and it happened to you know people connected with it but that that doesn't need to happen for you it just needs to be I think you just need to find a way to express it I think that's the most important thing
0: yeah I agree and I think as well like whilst I advocate for openly talking about mental health I do think you need to also be selfish um, and constantly be selfish with it because you will need to take time out you'll need to take a rest and that is totally okay i think yeah and it's funny you mention
1: that because i saw someone comment about it was it was a mental health awareness day and somebody had asked someone else oh would you like to do an instagram live about mental health and the person had said no and they were annoyed they were annoyed like oh why doesn't this person want to talk about mental health awareness and um that's something that I really identify with as as somebody who talks openly yeah. about mental health is like I'm not a performing monkey and I can't do it like <laughs> all day every day and be, like you can't be an advocate 24/7 because you need to take care of yourself so um I definitely have to have quite a lot of boundaries around that and you know charge I, don't, I wouldn't charge to do an Instagram live but like charging for my worth if I have to go and travel and like you know back in the days when we could go and like talk somewhere um because taking a day out of my schedule and not being paid for it does affect my mental health because then I have to work to make up the time and find other clients to make up for it so um as much as I do do you know free stuff for charities and stuff Uh, I do get a bit of a bee in my bonnet about you know brands who yeah we want you to speak on a mental health panel um but we're not going to pay you and it's like well like just because it's for a good cause doesn't mean that there aren't real people involved and those people are put you know we're putting ourselves out there um to talk about things that are that can feel quite triggering to bring them up again um
0: so yeah it's it's complicated <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say <laughs> yeah no it definitely is complicated and also quite personal
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I mean though, thank you for talking about this stuff because without it it's very hard to navigate everything by yourself and not knowing what other people do and some of the best conversations I've had about mental health haven't been on this podcast actually they've actually just been at bus stop with the friend who's just been like I feel really, really horrible and really bad. And I think that's one thing as well about mental health is that you don't need to do a TED talk. You just need to sometimes just let that one person know. And I completely agree with you about finding a form of self-expression that isn't necessarily tied to something that can be taken away from you. I think that's really important. I struggled when I first graduated because no one was grading me. I had no no ticks no first coming my way and I was like who am I you know how do I know I'm doing good yeah I think that's really
1: I definitely identify with that as like a high achiever and a people pleaser and like I was really like I'm really competitive with I used to be really competitive with other students and now I'm just really competitive with myself which I think can be just as bad like I'll look at something that I did you know a year ago and I'll be like it's got to be better than that or you know just always trying to outdo yourself which um can be kind of never ending like it's you never get to a point where you go well that's me achieved that you're always always pushing for the next thing and never really looking back and appreciating what you've done but yeah I think a lot of students struggle with not getting that it's like Instagram, isn't it? Like you're not getting that validation, yeah. that external validation. And when you're self-employed, you very much have to figure out how you're going to validate yourself, um, which is hard. And I, the way I do it is I, I, I kind of try and keep track of everything. So... I have goals and stuff that I keep track of um I do it sounds silly but I do my accounts every month so and that's good because it's it's cold hard data you can see how yeah. much money you've spent how much money has come in um and I find that's a really good way to just keep on track of things and remind myself no it's, you you don't need to worry you are making enough money you've made more money than you did maybe this time last year like it just depends how you want to measure your success I guess but I find that quite good to just look at the the cold hard numbers um and also like for me validation is or I guess success is actually just being in a a headspace that I never thought I would be so having the like like last year I'm finally paid to get therapy so having the the confidence to go and do that and having the space on my calendar is a huge thing as well yeah. like actually dedicating the time to my personal growth as opposed to every single day is taken up with work um so yeah it's like a it's a ongoing kind of not issue but like it's a process when you're when you're self-employed is being your own boss and finding finding how you will how you'll kind of praise yourself and validate yourself when you don't have external forces doing that for you
0: yeah I think I think that what you said there about it being a process is really important because it's quite easy to think especially from like um, someone who's just like read your books think oh she's made it you know she's it's all done and dusted for her she's written a book about she's written a book about her mental illness she must be like you know completely fine now and it's not true and I think you have to embrace the idea that everything in life is a process and it can go back it can go forward but it's very very unlikely it's all going to be like a straight line mm. yeah definitely I agree so another thing I really wanted to talk to you about um today is just what exactly like you know, uh, what exactly would you tell yourself if you know would you change anything if you could go back in time hmm. because uh, it's quite regrets and things like that is something I think you know people might feel, yeah, i think i mean i could I
1: could sit here and pack a bar. <laughs> pick apart all the mistakes <laughs> I've made in my life but I think I just my mind just doesn't work that way like I'm just yeah a big fan of mistakes and things things working out um and I, I I'm not necessarily like oh everything happens for a reason but I do think like life is just a series of like cause and effect and all the things that have happened like if we did back to the future and we went back and we changed one thing like (laughs) everything everything would be different so yeah it's yeah like I think it's it's kind of hard to like back because because one of the things is that yeah I studied music at uni but I was um I was also going to study English so it was like between the two but I was really really into rock music at the time and I was like I want to be a rock star so my heart just said no go and study music and now looking back I'm like well if I had studied English maybe I would have written five books by now maybe I would be in a completely different job but but still working in writing maybe do you know what I mean maybe my career would have started like 10 years earlier instead of getting you know coming into this in my 30s But I also think, well, that might not have happened because studying music at uni, like, and I'm interested to see what you you would say about this, but like, I think when you study a subject that you love at uni, sometimes it just makes you hate it and makes you not want to work in that subject. So I worry that that's what would have happened if I'd studied English, that I would have come out of that thinking I am nowhere near good enough to write. Because I've heard on English degrees that people get told you'll never be published stop thinking that you'll be published oh, gosh. so i worry that i would have just came out of that
0: and thought the same thing and just been like nah i can't do it so yeah my friend um did an english degree and i remember her saying oh my gosh this was nothing like i thought it would be and they were doing some like anglo-saxon word thing and i was like gosh i'm quite glad i didn't take english hmm.
1: what did you study but... at your name
0: yeah, I studied history and I did it because I loved it. And that was when I came to pick my options. I wasn't really thinking about careers. And um, for me, uni was a place where I just wanted to, I don't know, I just felt like I would learn a lot about myself. Um, So I went there and got diagnosed with anxiety and depression. So I did learn a lot about myself. But I think that's one of the kind of misconceptions about uni is that you go there just for the degree, which isn't actually true. There's a lot of kind of growth in that. Like, a yeah. period of your life yeah exactly and my parents
1: were very much like just do whatever subject that you want to do just do whatever you're interested in yeah. and I'm so I'm so glad that they said that because I know a lot of people who are under pressure to do a job that's got you know a specific vocation at the end of it or it's going to lead to something very specific um yeah whereas my mum and dad were like just do like we're just chuffed that you're going to uni so just do something that you think you'll enjoy and that's good because I did have a really good time I had a great three years studying music I had a great laugh and maybe maybe that was because I knew that I wasn't going to do a job at the end of it so I actually just you know got my grades and, and made friends and had a good time and that's like I have so many fond memories of that so it's not like like we were saying it's not maybe the end goal wasn't what I thought it would be but the process was like character building so it was still worth it.
0: Yeah I think character building is something that if you do something to build your character it's automatically worth it and it might like you said might not be the initial kind of goal of what you were doing but if you've come out of it and you've if you come out of an experience and you've learned something, then in that way it was valuable. Yeah. Whether it is, you know, a job, education, a relationship, it's, it's some, I think you can always find the value in something if you've learned something from it. Mm. Definitely. And then one thing as well is reading your book and it really stuck out to me was your boyfriend at the time, he's now your husband. The way you talk about, he sounds like, um, joey was amazing when you were experiencing depression and i think um that finding someone who treats you in that way is a really good sign of relation like a good relationship
1: yeah i like i think i said it in the book like he acted like a trained counselor i don't know how where he found all these skills um he just <laughs> he's just like a really nice human <laughs> but yeah he was so patient and just like didn't make didn't ever make me feel bad about being really selfish a lot of the time or being really rude yeah. um and that was just what I needed so yeah I'm so so grateful for having him in my life because I don't know if I'd been on my own or if I'd been with someone who wasn't as understanding I don't think I think my recovery would have taken a lot longer and I probably would have pretended I was okay and like gone back to work and stuff whereas I didn't um so yeah I'm so so grateful I don't have any advice I don't know how you find how you find another <laughs> no. joe like that but
0: <laughs> <laughs> if it's like like this secret if there was a secret to find people like that then I think this podcast would have like mega listens <laughs> I think it's important to talk about these sides because it helps other people see that, you know, you deserve love. Even if you find yourself experiencing depression or anxiety, you deserve love more, you know, just as much as the rest of us. And there are people out there that will give you love, and it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think I struggled with that a lot when. I
1: always remember it quite vividly at Christmas. I think it was my birthday because my birthday is a week before Christmas. And I remember um, being really low, being really depressed, and getting loads of birthday presents and just feeling like really like dumbfounded. I was like, why are these people giving me presents? Like, why are mum and dad giving me presents? Like, when I've spent the last year just like being an absolute riot like being totally difficult and like depressed and like having to borrow money off them and just being like I felt like a total baby (laughs) I was like why are they giving I just it made me feel horrible because I was like I don't deserve any of these presents like I don't want to celebrate my birthday and that's what it's it's just exactly what you say like I did not think that I deserved any love like I couldn't see how anybody could possibly Care for me because I felt like such a burden, um, and I suppose the point there is that even though I didn't maybe act like I appreciated all those things, it sunk in over time. Like, so if you're dealing with someone who is depressed, and like I get a lot of people asking me like, how do I like cope with my partner? Like, what do I do? And You kind of just have to keep repeating, like, I love you, you deserve to be loved, and doing these things for them, like buying the presents, you know, getting them a birthday cake, like, you know, getting them to dress up nice or go out and eat something nutritious. Like, you kind of just have to persist with these things. Uh, And even though it seems like they're not taking it in, like, I do think it all has a cumulative effect and eventually they learn to accept that they do deserve love but it's really really hard when when they kind of reject it
0: yeah i think that it is difficult and i wish on this podcast we could just say the answer to everything like oh just do this and it's all fixed but it isn't and a lot of it comes from therapy medication reflection self-growth like there's a lot that goes into it um but eventually when you do all that stuff it does get it does get better (laughs) yeah and like you say there's
1: not like there's not ever one thing there's not like one big solution to mental illness like sometimes when I look back I'm like, oh, it was the writing that did it, and then sometimes I look back, oh, no, it was the exercise, or no, it was yeah. not having to work, or no, it was uh, having a caring partner, or no, it was like the medication. <laughs> like it's just, it's, yeah. you know, every day is different. So sometimes it is, it was the exercise. Sometimes it was the medication. Like all these things add up um, over time, and and they change. They change week on week as well. Like yeah. Right now, like I'm not really exercising much, but I need a lot of sleep. So it's like, you kind of got to forgive yourself for your needs changing over time as well, especially right now when the things that we've got at our disposal
0: are very limited. Yeah, that's so important, I think. And just the fact that, you know, your needs do change and you have to accept that, I felt bad for having a lion this weekend but obviously I needed it if I didn't wake up to my alarm and I think that's just part of it is accepting what you need will change you can't be constant for like I don't know we live like 100 years now you're not going to be a constant morning person for 100 years or exercise constantly in that same routine and I think that's really important to remember
1: yeah and it's that thing of what we are saying about like comparing yourself to your past self. Like I just don't think yeah. that's necessarily I've always healthy. Like when I was, when I was at my worst mental health, I was at my peak physical fitness. <laughs> Strangely. I was like, that was the thing that kept me going was doing exercise classes and weight training. So when I look back, it's hard for me to look back and see like I was really thin. I was really toned. And I had really nice hair <laughs> and now I'm like I don't have any of those things but my, but I have a different I have a better relationship with work and I have like a totally different life and I have I get therapy and um do you know what I mean so it's like yeah it's really tricky to compare yourself to the way the way that you were maybe five or ten years ago and now you've just kind of got to try and stay in the moment
0: yeah I think that's so good that you speak about comparing yourself to your past self because I always think about it like comparing yourself to others and that distance. You do have some sort of distance with that. But when it's yourself, it's very different. And it's it's given me a lot to think about, really, this episode. So I think one thing then, um, just before we wrap up, is... I really want to ask what I ask everyone, but is like, what advice would you give to someone who feels like maybe perhaps it doesn't get better? What would you say to them? Hmm. I would say hang on
1: a little bit longer. I know it's, it's really hard, but don't think about the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year, just think about like the next few hours and what can you do to, get Through the next few hours because slowly but surely, like instead of thinking about you know climbing up a full staircase, just take one step. And if you just keep you know looking down and focusing on the stuff that you have to deal with now, and um, over time you will climb the staircase before you know it, you'll be at the top. So I would say that, and then also find a way to express yourself. It's just it sounds like a really vague thing, <laughs> like but. I just think it's really, really important for us as humans to find a way to express how we feel. So and it might be as simple as just going a walk, going a walk without your headphones in and just actually moving your body and processing what's going on in your life. It could be something as simple as that or it could be you take up embroidery or you start painting or you do poetry or you do spoken word or you start a podcast or all these things like just experiment and don't it's not it's not a task of like what can what can I create and how can I monetize it and turn it into a business think about it just as like we've said this whole episode think about it as a process because any way that you can kind of express yourself and find some sort of meaning through what you're going through it will make your
0: recovery so much easier thank you for listening to today's episode i hope you found it helpful i really appreciate all the support i get for hey it gets better it would be amazing if you could subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to your podcast if you want some more content then you can always follow us on instagram at hey it gets better and for more stories of inspiration and resources to help you get through life visit our website hey it gets I hope you have a wonderful week and remember, hey, it gets better.